on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Welcome. Something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. I went on an Aerosmith kick this morning. Did you? I did. Because Steven Tyler was on Joe Rogan's show. And it was like this two and a half hour interview. And I've never seen something that in depth with Steven Tyler. An eccentric dude in the 70. He was very open about all the drugs he's done in his past, but it put me on an Aerosmith kick because my current roommate, Andrew, who I've known since third grade, his first band he really loved. He got to go to the concert, I think, in Birmingham to Aerosmith. So that's, I remember buying, when it first came out, Just Push Play. Yeah. What is it? Jaded. Is that song on there? I think so. I think Pink is on there. That's a... Uh, Pink is... Uh, or is that on something else? That's a 1997 one. I can't remember the name of it exactly. I was thinking in my head about how, I was like, man, and they, uh, you're talking about, I was like, and you know, they do have some longevity. They had that resurgence, like late 80s, early 90s, and then I started thinking about it. Yeah, they it wasn't. It wasn't a resurgence. They've always just been there. Well, you know? Perry was out of the band for a while, so it was Brad Whitford, right? No, Bradley Whitford is That's the guy. guy from West Wing. No. And, the, and the bad guy in Billy Madison. Yeah, the bad guy in Billy Madison. Yeah. That's Eric. I love how in that movie where he's... Uh, He's learning Spanish. He's sitting there polishing a marble statue's ass. <laughs> what, a, what an a-hole. Yeah, no, but they, like, from for as long as my memory goes back, there's always been Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost like, for me, feelings-wise, it's not like Tom Petty, but it, it's kind of that way for a lot of people, is that there's always been Aerosmith. There's always been Tom Petty. They've always had a hit in the decade they've been active in. So. Well, and for those of you who don't know, that is the voice of Emily Hayes. Oh, hi, it's me. And we also have fiancé here. Hello, sir. I'm here. How are you doing? This I'm is pretty good. You like Aerosmith? Yeah, they're all right. They're all right? Yeah. Yeah, just, they're okay? I'm a 90s kid, so it's... Right. They were in the 90s. Well, yeah, but... They had hits in the 90s. Loving an Elevator, right? Manson, Nirvana... Okay, that, heavier, that kind of, yeah. Yeah. Did you hear about Francis Bean, who got divorced and has spent six months duking it out, trying to just be settled and done with it? Wait, and who? Francis Bean, Kurt Cobain's kid. Oh, I didn't hear anything about this. Okay, well, she... I don't she, even know Francis is. Francis Bean? No. Co- God, mm-hmm. Joey. Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm a terrible person. I now, mean. I don't know if you're joking with me or not. You don't know who it is either? Fiance. No, I, I don't. Francis right. Bean! No. Yeah, you're you're throwing this around, Emily, like everybody should know. It's Maybe Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain's kid. That poor child. I don't care. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> she lost the guitar in the divorce, is what I'm trying to say. The guitar for that Kurt Cobain played on the MTV Unplugged series. She lost it? The, that's what they were fighting over for six months. Wait, she, and the judge gave it to... No, she finally was just like, fine, take it. I want to be done. And she's wow. like, I know Nirvana fans are probably going to be pissed off, but, you know, and, and it's I know y'all my just, life. I'm trying to move forward. And I know y'all just got engaged, and this is not a commentary on y'all, but there, sometimes I look at how marriage works, and I'm not thinking of, like, the, the sacrament the where you're giving a devotion and a vow before everybody and God. That's mm-hmm. not, I'm talking about the legal contract. It seems insane to me. Because of stuff like that. She should like be it, able to keep her dad's guitar. Exactly. <laughs> and I, what? Did you say who? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to last forever. I can see it. I can attest, ladies and gentlemen, these two are going to last forever. Bless it. Just this little back and forth, the pithy bombots already. Oh, it's so, uh, it's little, so much fun. I'm glad I'm having this front seat view. Well, I was going to say, I was a little nervous about just the two of us doing the show. Oh, yeah, because each time y'all come on, and it's usually like Seth and Brandon up here, uh, Mr. Ross and Mr. Spotlow, it's an interrogation. I feel like it shouldn't always be an interrogation of you two and your relationship, you know what I mean? Brandon and his, you know, Spanish Inquisition of poor Eric and... His what? The way he was just asking Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But he just had just rapid fire all these questions. Mm. I was just like. Well, that's why I like having him on. He's a curious man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's insightful too. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's more insightful than I think we all know. I like how he was like, as long as I'm out of here, so Emily can't kill me or something like that. I'm just like, dude, just. Yeah, I'm gonna pull a pull a Rick Peters and be like, "Stay off my radar." So <laughs> <laughs> the buttery one told me the other day, he was like, "You're doing really good here. Just stay off my radar, and everything will be fine." Yeah, yeah. but I can't. I walk past his office, and I can't help but be like, "Hey, hi, it's me, Emily." <laughs> but I'm sitting here thinking, and I, I really did listen to a lot of Aerosmith this morning. Kind of went through the years, and they genuine, genuinely were sex, drugs, rock and roll. Lived that lifestyle. It's in the music. It's how they lived. I think there are a lot of people who say that. That's not how they carry themselves. But they were in that time where it's like late 60s. They meet in the late 60s, put the band together as the 70s come around, and they've been around since then. Mm -hmm. And as Steven Tyler said, once we got clean, there's more time for rock and roll and sex when you take the drugs out of the mix. I'm like, well... That's a that's a good thing, but I I bring this up because I, I worry, guys, that the devil is going to get me. What? Because the sign went back up. Yep. <laughs> it reminded me the the famous sign was it on sixty five sixty five yeah. North. 65 go to church, North. Or the devil will get you. Go to church, or the devil will get you. And I've seen three or I think three versions of that sign in my lifetime. The original one that I saw every you know every time we traveled up and down the interstate, which was a lot in my life. Um, no, I like to play this game though. When I see something written, how would that? Who wrote that? And how would they say it? Because I'd imagine it's not go to church or the devil will get you. I don't think they're saying it in that manner. I'm trying to think what southern accent wrote those I words. I wonder if it's uh, 
She's thought of something. Yes, I have, and I'm trying to think of the delicate way to say this on the air. Just out with it. So, okay, I have no problem with, like, I don't even know Jeff Sessions, but when he got elected or whatever, when he moved up. Yeah, to the Attorney General slot. Yes. I was thinking in my mind when you were saying it, I wonder how they say it. And in my head, I was like, I bet it's either like an old school Southern accent or something like Granny Clampett. <laughs> and then there was that meme that went around with Jeff Sessions and Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies side really? by side. Yeah. I didn't see that one. Okay, I'll share it with you, but don't put it on the internet. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's on the internet. I'm just saying... It's it. There's a joke, and it's not the nicest thing. And roll tide. Anyway, that's just the way I think that it's said. It's either said in Jeff's old school Beauregard accent, or go to church till the devil will get you. Sweetie. Yeah, yeah. Some vowels are just kind of just washed over, or it's whoa, in whoa. Granny's voice. So, or it could be you know simple like go church or the devil's gonna get you. I mean, that's simple. Like I'm not doing Ross much of Perot. a send up. That's I mean that's not that far removed from I think some of my relatives. Really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> is that Ross Perot? That feels like Ross Perot. That giant sucking sound. Is that Ross? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a bag of potato chips and then like you know, the the poster boards of the chickens. That's all I remember from that election when I was a kid mm. was that Ross Perot would be on TV and I don't know if he like bought airtime to do these little bits or whatever or if it was his commercials or if he was on the news or something. But he'd talk about potato chips and the debt and then he'd talk about and if you have so many chickens and then you give somebody so many ch- I don't know. I was a kid, but that's just that's what I remember from that election. I don't really remember Ross Perot himself. I remember Dana Carvey doing yes. Ross Perot on SNL. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, I'm sorry. Just off topic. The thought, what you just said, made me think of the Bobby Bright commercial. Yeah? Bobby Bright, Donald Trump. Bobby Bright, the, Donald Trump. The, that's first, the thing. The first time I heard the commercial, and it's like... Um, I'll bill you for that, Bobby. I don't even remember what <laughs> it is. But I thought, because it played on Happy Hour, and mm-hmm. I, I thought it was one of Greg's jokes. <laughs> because of the way the content like was the spelled Fulbright out. Thing? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, and I'm not here to endorse anybody. I will say... Um, when I was in college, I went up with a local allergist here, and, uh, and I love the guy, but yeah, when you're talking about something to light your hair on fire, go hang out with a bunch of allergists in Washington, D.C. Uh. Now, that's a good time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they can really throw a party. But they were doing advocacy work, which is a little different from lobbying, about the same thing, just less money. And uh, a Essentially, we go up there, and it's when the health care bill is being debated. This had to be, I guess, 2010, 2011, I don't know. And so we're going around to different congressional offices. Uh, We went to Sessions' office, talked to his legislative aide, went to Shelby's office, um, went to, like, Westmoreland, I think, of Georgia. Uh Robert Adderholt, we met him in the Capitol building. Yeah. Really uh, cool room in there. Yeah. and then we got to Bobby Bright's office. And I will say, out of all these people we met, Adderholt was nice to me, but as soon as he was like done with the pleasantries, he was like, okay, I'm here to do business. And I can't blame him for that. I'll give Bobby Bright credit. that Bobby Bright actually said he took interest in who I was and actually what I thought about the topic. 
That's cool. And I was like, thank you for playing into my narcissism. <laughs> I really appreciate it, Congressman. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never met him. I don't know him. And Montgomery politics still very new to me because it'll be two years that I've been here come June. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not well versed in everything that happens. But the thing about the Bobby Bright, Donald Trump, Bobby Bright, Donald Trump ad. That's how the ads work. I know. And, you know, from I hate to inflate anybody's ego more than it already is, but I've learned a lot from news and views. And I learned a lot from Barron, particularly with the way that all this, this works media wise and the way that they craft things. And, um, right. But I've had so much fun with the Bobby Bright commercial because I'm like, Bobby Bright, Bobby Bright, hand-stitched all of Donald Trump's Make America Great Again hats. <laughs> well, all the candidates are doing this. It's I like, know. how much can we hug the Donald? Just get him in a big embrace. I'm going to tell you, every commercial right now, you just sub out man or woman mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, that's all you have to sub out because everything is family man or family woman. Or family man, family woman, conservative, goes to church. So all the television commercials are Power Red, and I'll tell you who looks the best in Power Red is Kay Ivey. Oh, she does look she good She does look the best in Power in that Red. Power Red. And you know, mm-hmm. the big news item today was Patricia Todd. <laughs> Patricia. I'm laughing about that because that's a, regardless of your politics and regardless of the way you think about things. Mm-hmm. You go out there and be nasty, nasty stuff's going to happen to you. Like you didn't think there was going to be some kind of repercussion to you trying to out somebody. Right. And but and that's just anybody in that community. I have a lot of close basically feel like family. Yeah. You don't. You don't do you that. Don't do That's that. not just something like you just come out one day. And you're like, you know what? I really do like the color chartreuse. Well, but here's here's it's not the, that simple. Here's the thing, and it kind of makes me me personally hopeful um, for where things are going. The response to this hasn't been how dare you know, Kay Ivy herself said that is a disgusting and a bald faced lie. I mean, she really that I think is an actual quote. Uh, she had that response, but most of the people, when they hear this story, go, number one, I don't care whether yep. or not Kay Ivey is a lesbian, or this isn't what you do. Me know having gay friends, this isn't what you do within that community. And Patricia, Patricia I can't even say her damn name right. Yeah. Representative Todd. Yeah. Uh, she serves a right that she's not getting that job advancing gay rights in Orlando. I mean, right. That's not how you do it. You don't have a no. kind and caring heart. How are you going to unite people when you've got that kind of venom in you? But here's the thing. I'm not hearing from a lot of people, how dare you accuse Kay Ivey of this thing? It's more like, well, maybe, maybe not, but I don't care. And how dare you out somebody before they're ready to be out. I'm not hearing a lot of people go, that's it's not believable at all, Patricia. <laughs> I just don't hear that. And that's I I don't I really don't care. I, I mean, when I first heard it, I'm like, well, maybe the governor and I have more in common than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> who who cares? This is and I'm glad that you exactly. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's where I was going with uh, the ads of you can interchange anybody, oh, put them in yeah. front of the same set of a TV, of a TV, of a church, 
uh, them sitting with their family in their home or walking their property line or them shaking people's hands or going down and busting up on their fishing hole, which I saw that commercial today. Busting up on that fishing busting hole. Busting up in their fishing hole. Dude's trying to fish and a candidate's name I will not say. You ain't going to vote for her again. But all of those commercials are the same. Everybody's saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a conservative. I'm a Christian. I do this. I do that. And they're all wearing power red or power red is somewhere in their thing. I care, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm Lutheran. I'm glad that you're a Christian, too. I'm glad you care about your family. I'm glad you do that. I'm more concerned about, can you do your job? Right. Like, if you're going into some finance arm of things and you're a you know former business owner, how did your business fare? Like, did you ever have any issues with this, that, or the other that would right. affect the state? Like, I wanted, <clears throat> I would much rather hear about what you've done that makes you qualified for the position that you're running for. And I'm sorry, but being there for Easter service doesn't make you qualified to go sit through and and like fight legislation or, or champion a certain thing. That's, and I'm probably it's making most a lot of, the people of people in, mad. No, but, but that's what most of the people in the state do. And that's what they're trying to appeal to, is that I'm like you. I know, but it's don't a form it, of identity politics. Well, no, but like I get it. Okay, you're like you're great, great. You're like us, yeah. but I talk on the radio for a living. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not completely like me. Well, they're definitely not like me, right? So, but I don't hold it against but, them. But we're but. not running for office. They are running for office. Tell us why you should be in that position. Mm-hmm. I know why I'm in this position because I've never been able to shut up. <laughs> and somebody put me in front of a microphone when I was three years old. Is this true, fiance? <laughs> well, yeah, have you heard from him most of this show? No, I'll be quiet, babe. You jump right in there. Maybe you don't have to answer that question. In fact, you shouldn't. <laughs> don't answer no. that one. Now, have you ever seen her in Old Lady Hayes mode? Where she's like, my bones hurt. I aged 50 years last night. You're you're asking all the wrong questions, dude. (laughs) I just wanted to do that voice. (laughs) Vote for me. I love Donald Trump. (laughs) You know, you know... uh, I I don't know I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about politics. Really? That's like, I think a great that, that, thing. That whole exchange that you just had, mm-hmm. like <laughs> like the whole thing, I was it's you said bold faced lie. And I was thinking Bold faced lie. Is it bold or is it bald? Bold. <laughs> I know. You just don't care. No, I, I'm, I'm there. Like I care in the sense that I care. Like what happens from a selfish point of view. Like how are you going to treat me and what I thought I had the liberty to own yeah. as a free individual and a freeborn American. We're not that free anymore. But as far as like who's going to be the governor, who's going to be the AG, who's going to be the treasurer, or the you know agriculture commissioner, whatever. I I kind of know a lot of the outcomes beforehand. And I don't think politics brings us together and actually gets the job of community done. So, like, I'm focused on politics, but I, a friend told me this. It's like, Joel, you're, like, politically anti-politics. And that's pretty <laughs> much my point of view. Politically anti-politics? Yeah, like, I'm here in the political conversation almost every day. But my heart of hearts is politics divides us. Politics is a crappy replacement for community. Politics, uh, 
essentially plays to the lowest common denominator. It plays on people's worst impulses. And I'm not picking on certain groups of people. I'm saying everybody has these impulses. And politics seems to go for the, the jugular in that regard. It's like, how can we have an emotional appeal to either somebody's identity or to saying, hey, that person over there sucks. And that's the game in politics. You don't have to prove yourself a saint. You just have to prove the guy, other guy's more of a sinner. You just have to tear down the other person, and, and that, that's a cheap way to go, in my opinion. And to Ivy's, Kay Ivy's credit, uh, the governor's credit, she, I think she's rewarded by not being Robert Bentley. I love all my staff equally. <laughs> he said that, by the way, in a press conference before he finally came out with it, that, you know, what happened with him and Mason. He, in a press conference, was kind of blindsided. No, I love all my staff equally. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to work there. Um, but I think to Kay Ivey's credit, she's not Robert Bentley, and she has created a sense of normalcy yeah, finally. in the state. I. If I had to be pressed on what type of governor for the state of Alabama you want, my first answer... Can we get one that stays out of jail? Is, well, my first answer was be none. I think if you shut down the Alabama legislature and, you know, had no governor and you basically had law enforcement that stopped people or convicted people when they murdered one another or assaulted one another or stole things from one another and defrauded people... And maybe somebody doesn't uphold their contract, but that falls under defrauding somebody. And that was it. I think society would be pretty damn good, actually. I think we would be able to handle most of the problems that come our way and enjoy the natural pleasures of life. I don't think you need all this stuff. I think it's a distraction half the time, a sad distraction, or it's a terrible con game. One of my favorite authors said... An election is like an advanced auction of stolen goods. And it's all these people fighting over it. And Alabama's got this issue where we're constantly talking about corruption. And you mentioned, are you, what did I say, boldface or boldface lie. It's kind of what I hear. That's what I start to focus on when I hear about all these corruption conversations and talk in Alabama. It's like, there's always corruption. The, the system is going to be corrupt, and there's corruption in every state and union, every government that's ever existed on the earth, because people built it. There's going to be corruption. But I feel like corruption in Alabama is like the cat chasing the laser pointer instead of actually focusing on what could, actually, could be done. It's like, oh, shiny object. Let's call it the hypocrisy and the moral turpitude of those people over there and not actually get anything done. That's so. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of politics, but I'm involved. It, I'm trying to make sense of that. I'm politically anti-political. Can I tell you? I know what he just thought in his head. What did he think? Because you know, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking about that ethics thing that just happened, where mm-hmm. like our ethics commission is, you know, whatever, and the lobbyist, and so on and so forth. But I know exactly what you were thinking. Was that? He was playing with a laser pointer with Loretta and Irene before we came up here tonight. <laughs> that's awesome. Am that's I right? The Amer- that's the Alabama populace, kind of the American yeah. populace. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Well, that that and like my <clears throat> the extent of my like political governmental like interests mm-hmm. are like um, when somebody complains on Facebook about being fined for collecting rainwater, <laughs> right? Or like. <laughs> 
it's a pond and there's fish in it and I need to eat. Why do I have to buy a license to fish? Right. And it's like, I'm like, you know, that's, why do we have to do that stuff? And then, like, on the other hand, I'm like, I don't collect rainwater and I don't go fishing. (laughs) (laughs) So why do I care? (laughs) Right. Right. And I don't know. I, I just get worn out with the constant fights that I don't like the game at its foundation. Yeah. I just don't like playing the game at its its basis. Um, it, I think it makes people do... It makes good people do terrible things. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And act very uncharitably towards their fellow human beings. We've it's talked about sad. this a lot. Yeah. That's my main argument. You and I have, especially during the uh, Doug Jones campaign. Oh, Lord. That just it showed me a side of people that I loved and respected. <laughs> And I, I found it hard to uh, continue friendships with them and well, stuff. And just and I never said anything. I never called them yeah. out on anything. But I would see what they would post with no foundation, mm-hmm. with with no support behind it. Just you're posting emotion. You're not posting fact. This is all you know, all on Facebook and and social media, where everybody gets whipped into a dang old frenzy. Oh yes. And nobody knows how to behave. And for some reason feeling like you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof behind a computer screen and a keyboard where you can say these hateful things, you would never drive over to that person's house, meet them in the yard, and say it to their face. And if you and if you did, then you got a lot of hate in your heart. But I, just, well, I will never understand that. I tell a lot of folks, especially young folks, including people who maybe share my political ideals, like libertarianism, I tell them, because I've gone through this, instead of trying to win, before you ever try to win, try to understand the person you're talking to and build some sort of friendship. Now, not everybody is a great person. Like, one guy posted this thing the other day. For some reason, he's a Facebook friend of mine about, uh, it was something silly. Oh, I know what it was. It was a meme. It said A, B, C, or D. You can only pick two for breakfast. One was bacon, one was eggs, one was pancakes, the other was biscuits and gravy. And I said, and the guy's comment on this meme was, stop looking at the stupid stuff and actually focus on the real issues in this country. And I said, well, I would only take the bacon and the eggs, sir. And I found that if I only focused on so-called serious and important issues, which they're out there, they become heavier and weigh me down and feel unsolvable and like I'm minuscule and I feel angry and resentful. And if I actually take the time to say watch wrestling or eat bacon and eggs or share silly memes about Laurel and Yanni, I might actually find that I can approach the bigger issues with a greater state of mind. I think the frivolous things help us enjoy ourselves in life. That's essentially what I said. His response? America. Love no, it or leave it. No. This one <laughs> caught me off guard. His response? I'll kill you. What? Why? I didn't even go with it. I didn't like it. I didn't react. I just let it die. And some right people there. just want the reaction. Some people just feed off of that. But he might have been having a bad day. True. True. I mean, you might have been having a bad day. If you're having a bad day, you're angry, resentful, all those things I just said, and somebody says, no, come along, enjoy the sunny side of life. You kind of want to go F off to that person. I've been in those moods. I've been in those moods. Don't try to cheer me up. Just let me get through this kind of thing. But I I have to also be 
completely candid. I mean, this is a news talk station. I am always game to talk about politics. Like You're do, surrounded by and it. And then, like, the fourth wall breaking of politics, kind of like we're doing tonight. We're talking about the process and mm-hmm. the way it works. We're not just agreeing with the game from the get-go and playing it. But all that aside, what I'm really thinking about isn't cats with laser pointers. I'm thinking about... Well, Aerosmith, sex, drugs, rock and roll, lesbians, what I'm going to eat for dinner, and other things. I'm always thinking about the more basic stuff. It's just there. Do you know... It's what I'd honestly like to talk about. I I have to hold back because of FCC regulation. I've had for a month, whenever every... I can be thinking about serious things. I can be writing copy downstairs or working on a spot. Or I can be on the air with the guys, and you know what's playing in my head? Hmm. The thong song. Let me see yeah. the thong. And it's been something I've been battling <laughs> for like the last month. Yeah. But it's not just the lyrics. It's not just the lyrics. It'll be like certain pieces of the music, like the the violin parts or the it's the, any of the percussion or like bass hits but up but up like that stuff and i'll just be folding the laundry well, let and us and we got to take a break here soon but let us focus for one second and does he actually say in that song dumps like a truck 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 what in the world what does that mean? I tried to talk to the guys about it this morning, and Greg and Rich were just like, what? And I looked over at Jay, and Jay's like, when are you going to realize that there's a generational gap, and they never know what you're talking about? They just smile at you. <laughs> and they do it to us as well. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, I'm like, I've always wondered about that one line in that song. I'm like, okay, a song about thongs and butts. Who doesn't love it? Uh, but... Dumps like a truck. I tried to show the video to Rich this morning. He's like, uh, if it's not alternative, is... I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like I listen to the gump. <laughs> I was just like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, well, Rich. We do have to hit a break. Um, right before we do, I've been telling folks over the last few weeks about he's now become a good friend. I've eaten pizza with him. Had hey, a beer. Eddie? Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Yeah. yeah is his wife Suzanne or Susanna? Susanna, yeah. Yeah, they are the sweetest dang people, They're man. They're awesome. They're awesome. And I've gone and looked at homes with them around the River Region, mostly in Montgomery. They told me about this really cool spot though, um, in, near downtown Wetumpka. The, and how downtown's oh. developing down there yeah. here in Montgomery. There's a lot of really cool buying opportunities. Where I'm at right now in Cloverdale, um, there are signs everywhere. It really is, a, in my opinion, a buyer's market. Yeah. And Eddie Bader, he, Eddie's really helped me in the sense that I've been hesitant, always waiting, like, I can't afford a house. I can't do this or that. And he kind of opened my eyes and said, hey, dummy. Number one, if you got a house, your payment monthly would be much less than that rent yeah. you're paying. And so he's, we've set out a plan, get your credit score in order. And it's not like I had credit cards or anything. It's just a matter of building, building credit your credit from the get-go. Um, but get your credit score in order, maybe a little savings so you do the prepaids, like an inspection or appraisal, closing costs. He has the experience of working with uh, retired military and vets about getting them you know, specialty loans that are out there with the VA programs. Um, and he's given me, somebody who's always hesitated, saying, oh, I'm not going to buy anytime soon. I have the itch now because you see all these great homes out there 
And I want a little slice of the, I guess they call it the American dream. And mm-hmm. that's all credit to Eddie Bayer with the Goodson Group. Uh, give them a call, 322-0662. 322-0662. He will not steer you wrong. And it's a lot more fun to go spend a little bit of the day with Eddie rather than looking online at all these photos. you got to see stuff in person. You have to, because it can look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It can look like the most amazing home ever. Somebody you know how to stage it, but then you realize... Oh, are those fleas? Oh no! Are you oh. open? Or you open? Are yeah. you open a cabinet and you see a bunch of mice traps? Yeah, like you go. To, I'm talking from experience. Or maybe a place they didn't take good photos, and you don't really get the sense of proportion and size exactly. of house. This is why you call somebody like Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group again. Three two two zero six six two three two two zero six six two. Oh, this is going well, guys. I will let I will hush and let you guys talk in the next bit. Sorry. <laughs> do we have to do that? I I, I do what she says. Yeah, that's you're a very wise man. Very very wise. Joey Clark. Telling us, what is your fiance off air right before we turn on the mic? She can't stand this song, it drives you up the wall. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because it has that quick this because is inside like, baseball here. Like, this is even worse than the outfield. And, um, God, what is the name of that song? <laughs> That song. On the outfield. But, okay, anyway, point of the is story. Is it Josie? No. Josie's is on it Your Love or something like that? What is the name of the song? Hang on. Somebody's going to call in and tell us, but I'll look it up real quick. I don't want to lose your love. No, that's not the full name of the song. But, uh, uh, what is my phone doing? Shut that off, or I'm going to have to shut you off. Please don't. <laughs> um. This is your love. Radio. Your love is the love. of of the outfield song. I'm sorry, but the thing about that is at least it's got a boom boom. This one immediately starts immediately, off with immediately, him and I hate I, I I get really weird and cringy about the. I'm gonna talk to you, baby. I'm gonna talk to you. Yeah, in the but song. it's Steven Tyler. It's like, but so the song, like even before, I think it's right before the drum hits or whatever. He's like, come here, baby. I'm yeah. Like, so, so it's frustrating for me on Kiss mm-hmm. um, when I have to go into that song when there's a transition there and mm-hmm. I've got to come out of a song and set up what's coming up and then go into that song because normally, you know, like Rich Thomas does every morning in the Rich Thomas School of Broadcasting, 
He talks it up. He talks up the post. Right. And there are songs that you do that on, and there are songs that you don't you don't mess with because the opening is so iconic that an instrument is almost like an extra voice in the song. Right. But with that, come here, baby. Just like <laughs> it always makes me think of Southern culture on the skids. Camel walk. Mm-hmm. Nobody at this station appreciates Southern culture on the skids, and it kills me. No, we don't. Who is that? Babe. <laughs> no, Babe. But, but his, his ignorance gives you an opportunity to, to teach him. Yeah, we're going yeah, to create a great moment together. There's this great song by Southern Culture on the Skids called Camel Walk. And my entire family knows it by heart. It's hilarious. Well, I guess that's going to be a okay. teachable Sweet. moment. Fun later ride on. home. But earlier in the week, I want to bring this up with y'all. Okay. Uh, I mentioned with Troy that Spotify has teamed up with like the SBLC, the Anti-Defamation League, oh, yeah. GLAAD, mm-hmm. uh, to weed out hate, Good hateful luck. content, and actions by artists. Like, they didn't kick off R. Kelly because of ignition, but because he peed on people. Oh, Right. Another great Chevelle's. Yeah, that is a real great Chevelle's kid. Uh, I, I was just like saying that, okay, I guess it's well intentioned in some ways because there are some like, there's literally death metal. I mean, the lyrics, I think, are straightforwardly like, I hate this person or I hate my life and I feel this certain way and I'm going to express it in a fairly angry way in a song. And I'm like, I think that's. As far as I'm concerned, do what you want, and that might be actually a good way of getting out those emotions. I was about to say that's the healthy form. It's a healthy form of expression. Artistic ventures are healthy forms of expression, so you don't act out or but you bottle can, things up and, right. and pin things up. But I don't need. I certainly don't want somebody across the country deciding what's offensive to me. They don't know me, and if something's offensive to me, I avoid it. It's not. I don't want it shoved in my face. I don't choose to listen to it. So why? 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 Well, and essentially this opens up Pandora's box for how, what do you define as hate? And yeah. I mean, I think there are clear examples, but even then, what's the context artistically? Yeah. Well, earlier in this week, after they announced the policy, a feminist group called Ultraviolet sent a letter to Spotify thanking them for the initial steps in removing R. Kelly and a few others from their official playlist. But ultraviolet Shauna Thomas writes, these two men are not the only abusers on your platform. We implore you to take a deeper look at the artists you promote. She goes on to call for the company to exile Eminem, Nelly, Don Henley of the Eagles, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, Chris Brown, Ted Nugent, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and others. Every time a famous individual continues to be glorified despite allegations of abuse, we wrongly perpetuate silence by showing survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence that there will be no consequences for abuse, says Thomas. That has a cultural effect far beyond one individual artist. And it's just, it, I'm, I'm like, you know, it, we're now making the people that bring us music streaming the police of our culture. No, this people is in all positions all. of power and culture must constantly be a moral authority. And I'm like, uh, 
it's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. Like I said, you don't want... You know, my views aren't in line with everybody else's. I don't want some random person being the judge of, okay, uh, I'm going to make this available so this woman in Montgomery, Alabama, if she chooses to be exposed to this type of music, then she can be. And she can decide if she likes it or not. But when you don't even give me the option, that's bothersome. Well, and then also they're bringing up people's personal lives and... This is just the the sad fact, and we keep mentioning Dave Chappelle. He did a, I think, a pretty damn good bit in his comedy special on Bill Cosby. Mm. And the point of it, the basis of it, it's why it's a, a successful joke, is that terrible people can create amazing things in terms of especially art. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, artists are fairly impulsive people, and you know sometimes that can be completely corralled in a healthy way, but. Sometimes it leads to other behaviors. And, like, if you look, especially by our standards today, at great artists of the past, musicians, you're going to be throwing out a lot of people's music and a lot yeah. of people's literature. And it's just, I, I don't get this mentality uh, at all. I think it's, um, well, I don't think it's going to succeed. I, and I would say from a business standpoint, Spotify, you have competitors, and we have YouTube. Yeah. And we have all sorts of things where I don't have to, I don't use Spotify, actually. I don't have Spotify. What are they going to, are they going to take all of Alfred Hitchcock's films away because of the way he treated Tippy and the birds? Like, mm-hmm. that's abusive. Well, Jerry, I, in this article, it points out Jerry Lee Lewis married a 13-year-old. Yeah. Uh, David Bowie. Uh, Was David Bowie. Well, I think he took the virginity of a 14-year-old. 84 said that's how you know you can raise them right so that they do what you want. No, that's not exactly <laughs> oh. what he said. Oh, it's, no? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, and he said after, you get married young. You're right, but no, no, and '84 oh. didn't say that. But in all seriousness, when the Roy Moore stuff came around, I we had women call saying they would try to set me up, and like it was just a different. It was a different time. Yeah, it was a different like, time. Young kids set up with people and men in particular who were established. So it was like I know she's going to be taken care of, and that weird thing came out. You know how to train them, like oh my. I don't train anybody. Yeah, it's a I, weird thing. Yeah, it's a it's. I mean, there's there's the cult culture changes. That's what it does. So like, you seem you seem know. out of sorts. I am because it's just. I can under I, I can I understand. I can understand things even though I don't agree with them. Yeah, exactly. like I can understand why they thought that way. Like you know my my grandfather. Nine kids in his family, and um, a, a lot of my great aunts, you know, got married when they were younger. Yeah, and and they're and they're still married, and they have great marriages and all that stuff, and their kids are fantastic, and they're the fun cousins, and I just, you know, that's that's the way it was back back then. Yeah, that's that's what you did. That was the culture. That was the norm, and. You know, they were working people. They were working girls. Working girls. They were working girls. <laughs> there were women that worked and, and stuff like that. I think there can be a healthy balance of all that stuff. But if, if everybody would just stop being concerned with what everybody else is doing and focus on themselves and their families, it'd be a much better place. And that starts with our politics. 
I don't know whether or not Kay Ivey's a lesbian. I don't give a good gosh darn. I, I, I would say, and I, I generally feel that way too, but if it did come out that she was, it would be a plus for me. Yeah. I'd be like, that's awesome. I could tell my left-wing friends out in California, we have a lesbian <laughs> governor in Alabama. What do you have, that bald Jerry Brown <laughs> idiot? Like, I feel like it would be a big win for Alabama. It's just... <laughs> it's just sometimes this state... Uh, amazes me. Yeah. Well, no, and uh, the reaction I think has been great too. Everybody's kind of like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah. I wish they could care about that with with all of our political offices and just start focusing on the job that people do once they get elected and holding them accountable for keeping their promises that they make during the campaign season. That we have to listen to their commercials over and over and over and over and over again. Mm. But it's something Greg said earlier. Like, we do, we've got a lot of candidates that are here on the station, and they know they can be heard. Yeah. But, and that's why they advertise with us, and that's awesome. Well, and you got to get the word out. Yep. And it is political season. Can't get the word uh, out on this one. It feels like though. winter is coming. No, you can't. You can't nope. talk this one up. Come here, baby. Let me ruin you talking up to the post on this song. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Emily, fiance. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Thanks. I'll be back tomorrow night. I got a feeling Mr. Spotlow, God's gift, Mr. Ross, will be here. And who the hell knows what else. (laughs) Talk to you all then.